Hello there, you Awakening Wonders on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcasts. We really appreciate you, our listeners, and want to bring you more content. We will be delivering a podcast every day, seven days a week. Every single day, you'll get a detailed breakdown of current topics that the mainstream media should be covering. But if they are covering, they're amplifying establishment messages and not telling you the truth. Once a week, we bring you in-depth conversations with guests like Jordan Peterson, RFK Jr., Sam Harris, Vandana Shiva, Gabor Mate, and many more. Now enjoy this episode of Stay Free with Russell Brand. Remember, there's an episode every single day to educate and elevate our consciousness together. Stay free and enjoy the episode. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Thank you for joining me for Stay Free with Russell Brand. It's an exciting episode today because we've got Callie Means on today, who's a whistleblower, insider, and activist against Big Food and Big Pharma, who will reveal to you information that literally might save your children's lives, certainly will reduce the chances of your children getting diabetes, might, if you're male, improve your chances of remaining fertile. We'll be talking about the pharmaceutical industry and Big Food's role in funding legacy media. Callie is, of course, the founder of TrueMed, a company that enables tax-free spending on food and exercise. Simple things that might change and save your life. He's also the co-author with his sister of Good Energy, which is coming out next year and available for pre-order. There's links in the description for that. We talk about a Zempic, which you'll love hearing about and how they're pushing that on kids now. One industry fattens them up, another industry benefits from their diabetes. We'll be talking about baby foods and pesticides, a little bit about Bill Gates and the emergence of independent media and independent voices, as well as some stuff that relates to me personally. Personally. Let's get into Cali Means now. Cali, thank you so much. So, so pumped to be here, Russell. Thank you. I'm excited to see you. Last time we spoke, it was at the Community Festival. We had a wonderful conversation there. I had the privilege of meeting your beautiful father. I, I want to um, please pass on my regards to him. And will you tell me, what have you been, uh, have you been, is it true that you've been um, lobbying Congress? I mean, I don't like to think of you as a lobbyist, but communicating at least with people from Congress. To what ends are you hopeful? And how the hell have you gotten yourself involved in the system when you are a renegade? Russell, um, yeah, I, I've through this um, through this tirade I've been on. A lot of members of Congress have reached out. So in the past couple of weeks, I met with about forty. Uh, I actually presented to a group of um, of fifty congressional spouses too, which was very interesting, and they're very fired up as well. Um, what I'm consistently hearing behind closed doors is that people are are getting wind that this is the biggest issue in the country. I mean. Among kids, puberty among American children is starting like years earlier now. Literally, seven-year-olds are growing breasts like at an alarming rate. Like we're literally dragging puberty down because all the hormones and all the toxins in our food are changing our biology. Infertility is skyrocketing in the country. We're literally, and this is pronounced happening in America, but but happening around the developed world. We're losing our ability to reproduce, to to do our, to commit our main evolutionary function. Mm-hmm. Um, infertility is skyrocketing. Male sperm count is down fifty percent uh, in the past generation. Um, and obviously, the chronic diseases among Americans, but particularly among children, with you know the most staggering statistic we talked about a lot: thirty three percent of teenagers having prediabetes. I mean, this is the biggest issue in the country. But I will tell you, members of Congress are very frustrated. 
um, you know, back to my days, early days as a, as a working for the pharma industry, they're being bombarded with study after study saying ultra processed food is good. They're bombarded with study after study and threat after threat about ruining their political careers if they go against the status quo. So they're really, really figuring out what to do. And I think where there's a potential hope here, Russell, is you look at the polling in America and actually, you know, the two outside candidates who I, I would say actually are basing their campaigns on on tearing up this corrupt system, particularly the healthcare system, are uh, RFK and Donald Trump. I mean, they're, they're pulling over 60% in a in a general election. So whatever you think of those two candidates, there's clearly an appetite of Americans. And I would argue, obviously, RFK, the, um, the most popular politician among independents and among women in America. Um, and, and if you listen to Donald Trump, increasingly talking about figuring out what's going on with childhood health, with pharma, with food, actually talking about that a lot, you actually have the two campaigns that are getting the majority of support in the country really staking the message uh, to a large degree on figuring out what's going on. But we need that national leadership because members of Congress feel very stuck. Yes, it sounds like uh, at least there is an appetite within the system for change. And I suppose I've always suspected that the individuals within our institutions are not uniformly bad. It's just there's a kind of a magnetism towards the type of interest that you've described being expressed through what I would cla uh, characterize as corrupt studies that are clearly tendentious and the uh, an ongoing um inability to challenge the systems of power that undergird our public systems of democracy. The food industry, I suppose, because it's a, a, a ubiquitous, has uh, avoided the kind of scrutiny or at least the kind of uh, deeply critical, directed um, uh, uh, scrutiny that you've provided for too long, perhaps because, you know, because of the pharmaceutical industry, perhaps because it seems so innocuous, perhaps because we have such a strong connection to the food we eat and we like, it seems we like, eating bad food. It's a pain in the ass to eat well. We've been coached into eating bad food. We've been coached away from natural and organic foods alongside which we've evolved. There are cost implications, but to hear the kind of statistics you're uh, citing a 50% drop in fertility, 33% diabetes, early onset puberty. These are like these are almost existential threats. Um, and as with other um, powerful uh, industries that seem to have undue influence in American political American political life, like big pharma, like the military industrial complex. We were just talking just now about UFOs, and with the retrieval of like extraterrestrial uh, spacecraft, the CIA hand them over to Lockheed Martin. It's been reported. So even when there's extraterrestrial discovery, it falls into the hands of corporations. Are you um, are you optimistic that uh, change could indeed come in the form of candidates like Trump or RFK? And uh, how important is it that we educate ourselves and organize ourselves? Because obviously this is something that's, you know, if it's 33% and 50%, uh, you know, that's essentially affecting, you know, not all of us statistically, but, but, by, but by relationship, it'll affect everybody. I think it's optimistic that people are catching on. So if you ask an average mother in this country what her number one concern is, it's that they walk into a classroom and clearly there's something happening with kids. Kids are obese, they're they're sicker, they're more depressed, everything's going up all at once. Um, and again, going to the Congress, the micro level, the district by district, um, 
and you talk about the corruption, the NIH, the majority of grants that they've funded in the past 10 years have gone to researchers with direct conflicts of interest. 8,000 NIH grants have gone out in recent years to uh, folks, to researchers with a literally direct conflict against what they're studying, whether that be nutrition or whether that be pharma. And then what members of Congress are telling me is then the lobbyists from food and pharma come with those studies that have the seals of Harvard, that have the seals of the NIH on them and slam them on the desk and say, if you go against you know, this study saying um, that uh, Lucky Charms, that processed cereals are better than eggs. If you go against this study that's saying we've got to prescribe Ozempic, we've got to pre prescribe more drugs, we've got to prescribe um, and fund expensive Alzheimer's drugs that are relatively ineffective. That's the way we need to go to cure chronic diseases. And if you go against this, we're going to uh, spend all the money we have to destroy you. That's literally what the, what every congressperson is telling me, that there's direct threats where they're going to run ads in their districts, where they're going to pound the media saying that they're killing old people if they go against pharma. When they get those threats, it's hard for that individual member of Congress to act. But what gives me hope is that I do think there's an incentive on a national leadership scale to talk about these issues, because frankly, it's resonating with voters. Um, if you go to uh, I was at a playground with my young son the other day, and every child at that playground is eating ultra processed food, which they're clearly addicted to. They're clearly obese, and they're on a treadmill of of suffering. They're on a treadmill of prediabetes, of obesity, of more and more drugs. So I do think this is catching on, but it's really being spurred by a bottoms up revolution, frankly. Russell, it's being uh, spurred by people listening to your podcast, listening to Joe Rogan, listening to the, reading the top books in the country, you know, taking matters into their own hands, and that frankly, is extremely disruptive. This is the largest industry uh, in the country. I work for them. They play dirty. And um, and if this happens, if the messages that we're seeing nationally to really investigate what's going on, to really change our paradigm of health, to not have 95% of money spent after people get sick, but actually ask with the $4 trillion we spend in America how we can actually stay healthy. If those questions actually start being asked, um, it's very, very disruptive. So there's there's a lot of um, uh, opposition to this to this bottoms up message. Callie, with your own son, what foods will you absolutely not allow him to eat, and which foods do you allow him to have a little bit of? Because I've got young children, and because I'm I was not properly conscious, and because it's easier, I allowed them access to things like you know some. They came back the other day from like a fair. They were eating like a blue dummy. And like sort of like purple candy floss. They're eating the, even the colors of some of the food they're eating tell you that they are not found in nature and they're basically poison. How rigorous are you with your, uh, if you don't mind telling me, your, your child's diet? Well, quickly on the addiction for kids, um, Russell, because I, I think no parent should feel shame. I think we have a system that's rigged against us and it's powering to understand that. My dad, who you mentioned at the beginning, who loved meeting you, um, actually, was at Stanford Hospital yesterday. He's fine, but he got um, he, he had to have surgery. And my sister accompanied him there, and she sent me a picture. And the picture was the entrance to the cardiology unit at Stanford Hospital. And there were two Coca-Cola machines and a vending machine selling ultra-processed food. Now, working for Coke, I actually worked with them to make sure that Coca-Cola machines were in pediatric wards and schools for young children. That was a huge priority for Coke. And it was very clear and it was very enunciated in the meetings 
that we wanted to get these things in pediatric units and schools to normalize that for kids. You know, it's very hard to, to say that this is the root of all of our problems. This is the root of all the cardiology issues, the diabetes issues, all the obesity issues, all the issues we're seeing with kids. If literally, as my son was being born, I walk outside the room in the pediatric ward in Arizona and there's a Coca-Cola machine. So, so, so that's by design. So there's a real um, effort to get your kids addicted. And Russell, we talked about this and, and uh, you know, all, all, my, all my knowledge of addiction, you know, once once you get somebody addicted and you get them addicted early, it's very hard. So I really feel for parents and kids, you know, that have sugar by all definitions is a highly addictive drug um, and we're getting kids hooked. So I want to say first to parents, hopefully it's empowering. Don't don't shame yourself. I think this is potentially an opportunity and it's an it's opportunity I'm going to work on of educating your child about dopamine, about that our our system is is really rigged against them and to hijack their dopamine. Um, that is how companies make money. And I think unwinding this addiction crisis, quite frankly, that kids are facing is an important conversation where we shouldn't, you know, feel shame, but really be working through this with our kids if our if our public officials are going to let us down. The three ingredients to your question, and I think the core uh, issue in the country is the unholy trinity. It's added sugar. Uh, in one bottle of Coke, a child is drinking as much sugar as they had in their entire year uh, 100 years ago. Um, sugar in liquid form is a weapon of mass destruction uh, to blood sugar levels. You know, that's a new phenomenon, really, Russell, just just putting that sugar, it's like an IV drinking it in liquid form, particularly in fructose, which is a highly weaponized form of sugar, which is in most sodas, right to the bloodstream, highly addictive, raises the blood sugar level. So that's a big issue. And particularly, you know, with a young child where I can control it, obviously no sugar. Seed oils, industrial byproduct created by John D. Rockefeller 100 years ago, the top source of American calories, very inflammatory. They're omega-6 inflammatory fats instead of omega-3 fats, which we used to eat for all of human history, like olive oil and, and animal-based fats. Those are also make the food relatively addictive. And then grains, highly processed grains. You've got to ask why food is able to stay on a shelf for years and years and years. That's not natural. The processing is taking the fiber off, which blunts the glucose impact, and that's a lot of the nutrition. So this is Franken food. And for good measure, we are sprinkling and adding thousands of neurotoxins into the food in America that are not even legal in other countries. Um, if you measure the urine of Americans right now, 90% of them will have high degree of glyphosate in their urine. If you measure mother's breast milk, they've got glyphosate, which is a which is a pesticide we're putting on foods in their in their uh, in their breast milk. Um, we have tons of neurotoxins that we're putting in food because we have a completely unregulated market. When I was, you know, young and, and a conservative and working for these companies, I used to say, well, we don't want the nanny state. We don't want any regulations on these food companies. That actually was a perversion of conservative principles. What's a nanny state and what's a perversion of the free market is that these companies have gotten a completely free reign. They're, they're self-policing. There's no oversight. And they're literally putting poison in our food. These people aren't dumb. Uh, they, they employ thousands and thousands of scientists to make our food addictive and make it cheap. Callie, before you answer the next question, which I know is going to take us into territory that's complex 
certainly too complex for the censorship industrial complex that dominates the conversations that we have these days. I'm going to have to ask those of you, you glorious Awakened Wonders that are watching us on YouTube, to click the link in the description. Come over to Rumble. Educate yourself. You don't know whose life you might be saving by joining this movement. Okay, join us over there. Click the link now. We're going to leave you. Stay free. Okay, if you're watching this on Rumble. Last time we spoke about Ozempic, uh, the sort of uh, uh, purported weight loss drug and how popular it was going to be and that it was an unprecedented medicine and there's great marketing behind it and incredible projections behind it. Now, uh, I, I believe, um, based on what you know, I've learned from you, that it's being marketed at six-year-old children. So it seems like the partner to these devastating and addictive foods is a pharmaceutical solution that may yet even inflame the situation further. Let's go to that playground I talked about with my um, two-year-old son. Right, every kid in that playground. You go to you go to any area where there's a bunch of kids. They are being poisoned. They are eating ultra processed food. They're drinking liquid sugar. They're eating food covered in neurotoxins like glyphosate and colorings. Like we 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 we've allowed our system to just lose its way and completely have you know moral blindness about what we're feeding kids. The reason for that is because the food system has interest in making food addictive and cheaper, but the medical system, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Diabetes Association, they haven't said anything as we've seen obesity and all chronic diseases skyrocket among kids. But right now, those organizations, those medical organizations, which are almost fully funded by pharma, they're being very loud. And they are saying in unison that Ozempic, a weekly shot that is required to take for life, that that drug should be the standard of care for obesity starting at six. They are pushing and doing research and actually pushing this as, as the immediate intervention for an overweight six-year-old. Now, about 30, roughly 30% of six-year-olds are overweight or obese, 50% of teens are overweight or obese, and 80% of American adults are overweight or obese. So the second this is approved and the second they're able to substantiate obesity as not something that's controlled by food or lifestyle, but something that's genetic. And let's be very clear, that is what doctors at Harvard are saying. They are arguing aggressively that this is literally not tied to food, that obesity is genetic, not under control. The second they're able to establish that, doctors will be able to prescribe this drug for life again, to 30% of six-year-olds, to 50% teens and 80% of American adults. This is why, Russell, Novo Nordics just passed LVMH, Louis Vuitton, as the most valuable company in Europe. But what's interesting is that Ozempic is not being funded by European governments for obesity. This is not the standard of care in Europe. You know, I was recently in Denmark where Novo Nordics is based. It's a beautiful country. Everyone's biking. That food is healthy. They they take that very seriously. They're not prescribing Ozempic in their home country for obesity. They're laughing at us in America. 90% estimated of their profits are expected to come from America by paying off our regulators who are asleep at the wheel and pushing this at $15,000 per person per year on the American people. And because this is a miracle drug for doctors who will have lifetime patients to create obesity, not into something that you learn how to be healthy and have an awakening, but have to manage for life. That's recurring revenue for the pharma companies. It's recurring revenue for the doctors. It's, it's a dream. And that's why we've got a all out push. My message is very simple. 
when are we going to realize that if you have a dirty fish tank, you've got to clean the tank. You don't drug the fish. We are drugging the fish in America. We are giving people stands. We're giving them metformin. We're giving them blood pressure medication. We're giving them SSRIs. 25% of women in the United States are taking one. We're giving them Ozempic now. That's the average American patient. And as we do this, our costs are going up and our sicknesses are going up and our life expectancy is going down. Um, we've got to attack these industrial complexes. I will say the health industry has done a lot of good things in the past hundred years, but it's been co-opted. We lost our way, just like the education industrial complex and the military industrial complex. These industries that have done a lot of good are completely losing their way. And I, I think, uh, Russell, when you talk about optimistic or not, I'm optimistic that people are waking up, listening to you and others. But uh, it is, these are existential threats. If we let ourselves continue to get sicker, more depressed, more infertile, um, fatter, while bankrupting the country, that is the top threat to America, uh, in my opinion, uh, if you just look at the math. Yeah, you coined, or at least you used the phrase chronic disease industrial complex. And I suppose what was indicated in your last answer is we have a kind of broken psychopathic metric by which we measure our country's success as much as you might describe and outline the terrifying statistics, the diabetes, the uh, infertility, uh, the, the, even the more diffuse and difficult to measure sorrow and despair that I sense is yeah. increasing across the world. Those are more the harder things, I guess, to get accurate metrics on, referring as they do to people's subjective inner experience. It seems that if that cannot be opposed, we're in serious trouble. And, you know, using the phrase industrial complex seems right because, you know, we've bought into play already the idea that it's beneficial, of course, for the food industry, because whilst it might be creating decline, it's also generating profit and addiction and, a, and an addict is a customer for life. It, the pharmaceutical industry is benefiting from it. One senses that the legacy media are tied into these systems financially and ideologically in some way, that the state benefits from passive and consuming citizens. It's a very difficult thing to imagine um, breaking down, isn't it, Callie? Uh, and it requires probably, in essence, firstly, the uh, recognition, recognition of the sanctity of the individual, the duty of the individual to awaken, and then some kind of organization. Yeah, I, I had two moments in the past couple years um, that were powerful for me. One was um, early on during COVID when I hadn't really heard of Joe Rogan, and, and uh, there's just absolute vilification of, of the guy. And um, I'm like, let me let me listen to this podcast. And I, I turn it on, and it's just time after time he's talking about exercising. He's talking about being a good person. He's talking about eating good food. He's talking about looking at the sun. He's saying this is the basis of health. And it was it, it dawned on me. It's like literally, there's leaked emails from Dr. Fauci saying he's the number one threat in America. This guy who's on the podcast saying basically, you know, it's not necessarily all health is a pharmaceutical issue. It's almost a spiritual crisis we have where we need to take matters into our own hands, and then. Russell, quite frankly, at the community festival with with you, I have never been surrounded by more positivity, by people working on improving their lives, by people talking about their recovery journeys, by many speakers talking, you know, not in a mean way, but just in an empowering way, how to break free of a lot of the institutions that are profiting from us being in fear and being addicted um, and being sick and being depressed. And it was such a positive 
weekend. And I was literally saying to myself, I'm like, they're, they're not going to let this stand. You know, this type of empowerment, this type of positivity, this is going to be attacked. Um, but 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 these are the things that are seen literally. And we have, again, leaked emails of this. These are the things that are seen as massively disruptive. Um, the pharmaceutical companies, and, and, and this is it's hard to wrap your head around, but they are the top funder of media. They are the top, uh, one of the top funders of technology company advertising revenue. And they are the top funders of politicians by far. So, 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 so that just follow the money. 50% of mainstream media news funding comes from pharmaceutical companies. When I worked for the pharmaceutical companies, we had a direct line to every editor in the country and we paid their bills. The pharmaceutical industry and the healthcare industry at large spends five times more on political donations and lobbying than the oil industry, right? They are the people that pay the politicians' paychecks, frankly, the RNC and the DNC's paychecks. Um, and then tech companies, and then not even talking about research. Obviously, it's the biggest funders of, of universities and academic research, more than 50% of the funding for Stanford Medical School and Harvard Medical School such pharma. So they control these organizations. And I can tell you, this idea of patient empowerment, this idea of people asking their own questions, it's very disruptive. A kid that learns metabolically healthy habits and isn't on the bandwagon starting you know, in high school when they're on SSRIs, which are being prescribed widely to high schoolers, on Adderall, which are 20% of high school seniors now, on stands, which are blowing up among high schoolers because of the cholesterol issues, on an Ozempic now. If a kid isn't on that bandwagon, they're losing out on millions of dollars to the pharmaceutical industries. So this is not this is serious business. And um, and uh, and I saw it. Uh, that th there's uh, th 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 these companies know how to how to attack and how to attack dirty. Yeah, you are describing an extraordinary amount of power. Thank you for your kind comments about community. I mm -hmm. felt the same way and. Obviously, the the sort of recent attacks on me have been at points overwhelming and terrifying, and there are ways in which I've made myself vulnerable because of the you know the as I've described the promiscuity in in my past. But when I recently discovered uh, that Moderna, in particular, were uh, spying on me mm -hmm. and hiring FBI agents. It's, a, it's difficult not to see some kind of connection between the type of power that you've described and attempts to just remove voices that are anti-establishment by whatever means are available. It seems like that to me. Do you know much about sort of Moderna's projects that seem to be beyond Absolutely. the remit? Like, this is just a company that's meant to be making medicine. How do you go from making medicine to employing former FBI operatives, to spying on people, to even having an agenda of that nature? When did this, when did it become so weaponized? Well, it started becoming weaponized when this became the largest industry in the country. Um, again, going back to talking to a Harvard obesity doctor off the record, she said she does feel uncomfortable about the wide prescription of Ozempic, but if they stop having obese people and more people don't get sick and more people don't get in their clinics as lifetime patients, she'll lose her job and she'll have to lay off a bunch of people in the clinic they just built. This is the incentive and it's an invisible hand that leaves, leads some bad people, but a lot of good people uh, to do things that are that are really, really not great. On the Moderna front, and Li Feng has been a, uh, a champion on this. Uh, you know, mm. been in touch with him, and just just uh, incredible reporting. 
This came out in the Twitter files. This came out in other email leaks that I mentioned with, with Dr. Fauci and freedom of information requests. But I think what's happening, and I saw this inside the room with pharma, there's an idea that they are on the leading edge of helping humanity. And they've convinced themselves that the American people are stupid, uh, that they need these drugs, that there's dark forces out there that are um, that are denigrating science, and they are science. Remember Dr. Fauci, who is the greatest funder of the pharmaceutical industrial complex in American history over 40 years at his perch, doled out um, hundreds of billions of dollars in grants to pharmaceutical companies and, and was really the top of the pyramid there. Uh, said, I am science. Mm. So they see themselves as science. And what they've been able to do, right, is because they're the largest funder of media and because they're the largest funder of tech companies to many degrees, Twitter back in the heyday, and because they're the largest funder of politicians, they have those organizations as their referees. So the media used to be a skeptical entity. The media, the government, frankly, used to be looking out for us, very trusted uh, up until the last generation. These industries, these these organizations that that really control a lot of our lives, have moved from an oversight role to a referee role. They shut down anyone, censor everyone, threaten people, frankly, um, sometimes with 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 legal action, um, certainly with 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 banning and, and a lot of underhanded tactics to destroy people's reputation. Um, they, um, they they play referee. Um, where you can't ask any questions. And I'm not a full anti-pharma guy even, but but I do think at the point you've been making the point, Joe Rogan has been making the point a lot of people are making, this is a small part. It's a small part of the equation, mm. right? Our metabolic health, chronic disease crisis, where nine out of 10 killers of Americans today are directly tied to food and would be eliminated Essentially, if we cut those three ingredients I mentioned out of our diet, if we if we have a national reckoning on more metabolically healthy habits, frankly, like they have in Japan, where they live seven years older than us and have five times lower rate of obesity, like this can happen if you have a national culture of health. Um, but 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 they see that as a threat, um, and they see and they've convinced themselves that they're right, that they're doing the right things, that these pharmaceutical products are you know, God's great gift to the country. And, and if you've convinced yourself of that and have all of the people in media and government saying that you're right because you paid them off, then any means necessary makes sense. If you're fighting really for science and if you're fighting for the, you know, saving the country in their minds, then hiring FBI agents to do investigations to root out misinformation when president the president right now and other, you know, leaders are saying misinformation is the greatest threat to the country, the ends justify the means there. So, so it definitely they do justify it in their heads. Um, and if you've justified that you're fighting for civilization, fighting for science, then then the ends justify the means. Yes, and you said that um, the, the the power reaches into academia. It reaches into the medical profession. Yeah. With that, with Lee Fang's excellent article, we talked about forty five thousand medical professionals receiving sort of coaching and training. And when you outlined the amount of expenditure by the pharmaceutical industry and the influence, whether that's political or through TV advertising, is not as insignificant. And you know, and, and uh, you know, academic research is not an insignificant amount of power that we're describing these. 
power centers uh, obviously are what determine outcomes and direction. And one of the trends that it seems that we're experiencing is that, uh, that what globalist and these words that we use a lot in these spaces like globalism and corporatism, what it feels like it comes down to is the ability to control your life or even your nation's sovereignty is moving away from the institutions that were once built to, as you say, uh, serve the people to these new organizations and institutions that are you know truly global whether that's the WHO and uh, and 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 I think it's worth for a moment looking at the kind of figures that um operate on that global scale most notably in uh, obviously Bill Gates, who seems to be uh, moving into the agricultural industry in ways that are surprising. Vandana Shiva has been explicit about his the negative impact of Bill Gates' ideas and expenditure in India. The damage that he's done in Africa, in African countries, is pretty well noted. I, uh, I wonder what you think, you know, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me when you're describing the influence of big food, their ability to control studies, their ability to manipulate Congress, that once you also control agriculture, it's like, where, where would you ever intersect? Where would an individual or a community ever just cut off and go, right, we're, we're not part of this. We're going to grow our own food. We're going to generate our own energy. We're going to exchange our own currency. We're going to create our own systems. We're opting out of this. You know, once you control food from, the, from its generation to its consumption and all regulation around it, it seems very difficult that any of us will have an opportunity to opt out at all. Yeah, I can't get into the, uh, I think it'll be a dark road to go into the psychology and the motivations of Bill Gates. I would just say, you know, raising a son, this is not necessarily somebody to emulate. He's not a healthy person. He's not a, seems like a moral person. I mean, um, his ex-wife has basically said explicitly, the media hasn't followed up, that he's done some very bad things with with Jeffrey Epstein, she said that to Gail King. She said, you need to ask him questions. The media has never asked him questions. This is a guy that's good at making money, um, but has a, a lot of power. So so I, I just go to the motivations, um, Russell. Processed food is much easier to control and much more profitable than a natural food. And there's been a massive uh, shift to ultra-processed food. It's gone from 0% of our diet to close to 70% in the past 100 years. Um, and I really do think that has led, obviously, to a health disaster, an economic disaster, because our human capital is being destroyed. Um, but it's also, to, to a degree, I think, a spiritual crisis, because we were totally disaggregated from our land. You know, um, an orange today, you needed uh, you need four oranges to get the nutrients that you had in one orange 50 years ago. Our soil has been so depleted. Right. We, we've we've raped the soil uh, so much that our food is like significantly uh, less nutrient dense. We're kind of causing this issue. And when I look at Bill Gates, who's who's making millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars from literally lab grown meat, he's preaching fake meat. He's preaching ultra processed food and denigrating the Gates Foundation is denigrating vegetables. He recently you know, said that anyone that says trees help uh, uh, reduce carbon, which is literally their function, uh, isn't isn't practicing good science because he has hundreds of millions of dollars invested in carbon scrubbers machines, which are literally just basically trees. Uh -huh. um, so he's denigrating trees. So I think there's a lot of money in this. But what scares me 
is that that's going more of the same. Like technological progress in trying to create lab-grown food and lab-grown medical solutions to solve the issue that we're being poisoned by food is more of the same. What we have to get back to, what I think the most important trend of the next 10 years is called regenerative agriculture. Actually, if you don't have monocropping, you know what Bill Gates is pushing for, all of his farmland is monocropping. It's it's one crop in the field where you have to use a lot of uh, pesticides, the glyphosate. You need the glyphosate, you need the pesticides because there's no biodiversity. When cows were around the plants and animals are growing with the plants, that actually creates natural fertilizer and it creates natural pesticides and you don't need to spray the food with a bunch of crap. Also, regenerative farming has higher crop outputs. Um, so what I would say is we're, we're losing our way of using technology to create meat in a lab. We need to use technology to actually figure out how to get back to basics, how to get back to regenerative methods of farming. Maybe we can have robots or maybe we can have AI understand how to have better, better crop outputs with a more natural farming practice. But we're just not going to outhack this. We're not going to outhack getting sicker and sicker and sicker with creating more and more lab-grown food and more and more medical solutions. That is that is taking us on the path to ruin. Um, so the best I can estimate, Russell, is that there's economic motivations here. I mean, there might be some dark, you know, distrust of humanity. Bill Gates has said, you know, he, 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 he thinks we're overly populated. I mean, you can go down roads there. I can't get into the motivations, but I just know this is the wrong way to go. We need to get back to basics. One of the unquestioned ideologies that governs much activity on our planet is this idea of progress, that we are progressing, that we're on an upward right. trajectory. And it's for, for many years, certainly in fields like medicine and technology, it's a story that's easy to tell. But you alluded to something there, Callie, that's important that we have found ourselves somehow subject to these fields of progress rather than the, uh, deploying them as for utility. The idea that we might use technology to facilitate a lifestyle judged by a different metric, a kind of a rather more, not opaque really, but just less observable than money, material, power and dominion. It seems like one of the common themes when we're talking about progress and advance, it seems like, as you just described, that we're only willing to try to move forwards, hacking in the same direction, more and more mechanization, more and more profitability. There's no interest in the arcane, no interest in a kind of, what is it to be human? And how did we live for many, many thousands of years? What's encoded deep within us? What are we expressing? What is this inner mystery that we yet experience? I'm not a Luddite. You know, I don't think there should be no technology, yeah. but we've got to ask what question we're trying to solve. I mean, poisoning kids and then jet injecting a synthetic material into their veins every single week for the rest of their lives to keep their obesity ostensibly in check by paralyzing their stomach and destroying their microbiome and their gut, which is Ozempic, doesn't see it seems somewhat Orwellian. Again, you can ask questions with technology. You know, the 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 issue with regenerative farming is it requires a lot of labor. Could there be robotics? Could there be AI to help? actually get back to our biological needs of non-poisonous food, of better crop outputs. With so, so it depends what question you're asking. But I think, I think what you get to is that when you look at the largest companies in the world, they profit 
we are confused. They profit when we're in fear. They profit when they hijack our dopamine. They don't profit when we're out in nature meditating and you know, really understanding more about ourselves. They don't profit when we're more connected to our food and to our habits, um, frankly. They profit by us being distracted. There's a war for our attention. There's a war for our dopamine, and we're losing right now. Um, and I think this is all tied up because the one of the top sources of addiction, I think dopamine is, is our addictive food system and it's very profitable. Um, and there's a lot of interest uh, to, to keep that going. And it's starting earlier and earlier. Um, I understand that um, 40% of baby food contains uh, pesticides that, that might be harmful. How do we become so disconnected from our own well-being that, a sentence like that yeah. isn't from a kind of a sort of a DC villains manifesto, but it's just sort of an ordinary statistic from the world we live in. Well, I think it's helpful to break that down from my experience. So uh, you look at that statistic, it's like, where, where are people falling asleep at the switch? How are we losing our moral way so much that we have literally poisoned um, baby formula, which we do. And so actually, and I saw this in DC, uh, the soybean farmers. So, Soybeans are one of the most subsidized ingredients. They're a cornerstone of ultra-processed food, and they're, they, it makes uh, soybean oil, which is actually the single most uh, prominent uh, fat used in the American diet, soybean oil. You, you, you Maybe people don't even know this term, but if you look at anything you're eating, you'll see soybean oil as one of the ingredients. And they have a very pow powerful lobbying group, and they did a lot of fake research and actually lobbied Congress to require uh, seed oils to require soybean oil, which is often like has a lot of uh, uh, glyphosate and other neurotoxins uh, in it because it's it's from crops that are sprayed with a lot of neurotoxins. There, that's required by law in baby formula in the United States, and um, uh, that is why you have a massive black market of people illegally importing baby formula from Europe. So that, again, you look at the intentions here. Okay, the soybean lobbyists, they did a good job. They did a good job there. They got that in. They had some bogus research saying that the fats from soybean oil were better than other types of fats. They got that in there. Okay. The, the breakdown, again, the devil's bargain, can't emphasize this enough, is where were the medical leaders? Where were the medical leaders, the head of the NIH, the heads of med schools, the heads of uh, of of the uh, institutions that we trust. Well, they're on the USDA nutrition panel, and ninety five percent of the USDA nutrition panel is directly paid for by processed food companies, by soybean manufacturers, by pharma. Ninety five percent. So literally, the people that you have creating the nutritional guidelines and overseeing our nutrition standards are paid for by those exact people. So that's where I think the moral blindness really reigns is that we we in any world if we had the usda saying this is wrong on the baby formula if we had dr fauci saying that we would stop that when when medical leaders say something we listen wow. we listen to the surgeon general in the 1980s smoking rates plummeted when they finally talked out about smoking frankly we listened to dr fauci when he said to get the covid vaccine more than 90 percent of people got it so we do listen we listened in the 1990s when the um, government told us to eat more carbs and sugar and the food pyramid which led to disaster so we listen so if 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 the medical leaders spoke out and then a lot of times i hear from 
from regulators are like, well, you know, that's going to be too expensive to tell everyone to eat organic. That's going to be too difficult. It's like, that's not their job. Their job is not to worry about the policy. The medical leader's job is to follow the science. Huh. Right now, we tell the kids, two-year-olds, that 10% of their diet could be added sugar because of the heavy lobbying of the sugar industry to the people making the nutrition guidelines. That should be zero, okay? It is not the regulator's job to think about public policy. The, 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 the health industry, the health leaders need to say the truth that we should not be putting seed oils in baby formula that's covered in GMOs, that we should not be recommending sugar to two-year-olds. And then policymakers can do what they will of that. But the breakdown here is that the medical leaders are asleep at the switch and corrupted themselves. I can see that with your uh, the degree of education that you've accumulated and your ability to communicate your and your great skill at tying together data with the outcomes and the uh, the and how it's come about systemically your in, your inside experience and your obvious passion that if enough people are exposed to what you were saying. It'll be very, very difficult, I think, to not make the change, changes that you're immediately suggesting, many of which sound like simple common sense. Feed children healthy food that's grown or was raised near where they are to wherever possible use technology and science to support nature, combating uh, anomalies uh, uh, within nature only when necessary and ensure that our political institutions are free from the influence of financial interests that appear to benefit uh, at, uh, in ways that are completely at odds with our individual and collective human experience. So you can see how, you know, the, I, I would imagine in time, Callie, the sort of information that you're conveying will be subject to censure, that it'll be difficult for you to... Do you get to, do you get to communicate this sort of stuff within what might be called legacy or mainstream media? Have you received pushback yourself? Have you been attacked oh yeah so so um i have friends at the mainstream media i used to work in dc and a lot of my friends went into you know the the, the, the big guys that we all know and i've been told explicitly that negative stories on the pharmaceutical industry and food are essentially off limits you've got to ask right if you really analyze what's happening in america and look at 25% of teens having fatty liver disease, 33% having prediabetes, you know, the, the just explosions of autoimmune conditions, allergies, autism, um, early rates of cancer, it's just everything's going up among kids. It's a huge problem. It's going to bankrupt the country. Almost zero curiosity about that on the mainstream media. Why? Because their largest funder, the, 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 the industry that funds 50% of all of their bills profits from those dynamics happening and actually accepts money. The American Diabetes Association accepts money from Coke. They're actually really financially connected. So there is an absolute kibosh mm. on discussion. I mean, you, you send it to me if you see a CNN or MSNBC, a, a really um, interesting negative story. Um, uh, you know, I, th I think there's some rare exceptions. Anna Hot O'Connor at the uh, Washington Post exposed recently that uh, food companies were secretly paying uh, nutritionists on TikTok to uh, promote ultra processed food and denigrate natural food. Uh, hidden payments is an FTC violation, millions of dollars. Now there's congressional investigations and in that. So there is some good reporting, Lee Fang. But, but getting to Lee Fang and, and, and what's happening, the independent media 
revolution, I think is on par of one of the biggest trends in American history. I, I think it's like, you know, Ben, ben Franklin level and, 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 and a real shift of how media and communication is happening. We've gone from a situation where there were a limited amount of networks completely funded by the industrial complexes to a more disaggregated where the biggest eyeballs and ears are tied to people that have more of an independent voice. This is extremely disruptive. Um, these are the folks like you that are hosting these conversations that are really asking core questions about society, about why so many kids are getting sick. And there's absolute, almost, you know, violent um, opposition uh, to what's happening, you know, using every single tool in the book. So um, am I worried, you know, Russell, I, I don't know. I, I look at my kid and honestly, my, my, we talked about my mom who who died, I think unnecessarily from a metabolic condition. I, I feel really good about pushing this forward. I think I'm on the right side of history. But um, but I, I, there are dark forces at play here. And I think if our message can continue getting out, it is extremely economically disruptive. But that gives me meaning. And um, and I'll tell you, um, I think a lot of people are waking up. And um, I think if we keep chipping away, uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to change society. But um, but, yeah, there's a lot of opposition. Wow, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for that beautiful summary. And th thank you once again for your optimism. Almost everything you've said, I thought, oh, this needs to be broke up, put into a smaller clip and put out there because you, I think you're arming people with information that could change their lives. And based on what you've said about your recent trip to DC, you're having an impact in places that can make a meaningful difference. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing, Kelly. And thanks again for coming on. Thank you, sir.